What does financial freedom look like for you? Yeah, it's, it's the ability to call my own shot, live life on my terms the way I want to live it from wherever I want to live it at and also be able to have impact. So it boils down to two things for me. It's time freedom and it's impact. Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Real Estate Rundown. As you can see, we're doing it in a different format because we're actually going to be in the post-COVID world doing more live interviews. But our first guest, today is somebody that I've gotten to know over the last year who has an incredible business mind, isn't even based in the same nation as most of his business. So Ryan Weimer is with me today, and he does a ton of business in the subject two, in the wholesaling space. And while we want to hear about that a little bit, Ryan, we really, I, I want to get into just kind of what it is that makes an entrepreneur, because we all hear about the great things that you're doing, and you are doing some pretty amazing stuff. But what does it really take to do that? So introduce yourself a little bit and then we'll dive into it uh, and see where we go. Sure, absolutely. So my background's in mechanical engineering, but I didn't get into full-time real estate until about three or four years ago where I, I quit my W-2 job. Started off wholesaling and buying a couple rental properties and then- But wholesaling, I mean, that's like the hardest job on the planet. I mean, you've literally got to find a needle in a haystack and then you've got to go grab the next haystack and find the needle in it. Yeah. Because you got a seller, and now in a very short period of time, you got to go find a buyer. Yeah, it's brutal. A lot of rejection, a lot of no's. And I think where we're headed with this is really ultimately about the entrepreneur mindset, right? right? And that right. that separates the contenders from the pretenders, really. Yeah. So, so you got into wholesaling, and you've built a business. What size is your business currently? What are you doing for volume? Yep. So we're 15 employees, and we're going to do about 120 deals this year on the. So you're closing side. a deal every three days. Yeah. So that's not a small business. No. But you started four years ago with just you. Yep. And what made you pick that business? Honestly, it was just, I want to get to financial freedom and I want to be able to source my own deals to be able to get there. So everyone's always like, well, what's the fastest way to financial freedom? What's the best list to call, right? And I really hate that question because it's just, it's framing it in like a, this is going to be a short, quick, get right. rich, right. quick thing. And it's not right. at all. Right. So basically they're asking you, what is the easiest way to do the hard work? Exactly. Right. Who can I outsource this to so I can just sit there and collect the checks? 100%. Right? Yes. And there's so much of that, that people think that being an entrepreneur is some sort of magic wand. And it is because it makes your sleep disappear. It makes your weekends become work time. It, it has so many pitfalls in it that can really derail everything if you're not totally committed to it. And there's a certain insanity that I've seen in all entrepreneurs that they're committed to something bigger than the business. And I think this is true with you, but the business is the tool. Yes. It's not the reason. Correct. It's the vehicle. Yeah. Right. Yep. And you were saying that you wanted to get to financial freedom. What does financial freedom look like for you? Yeah, it's, it's the ability to call my own shots. I mean, it's live life on my terms the way I want to live it from wherever I want to live it at and also be able to have impact, I think. So it boils down to two things for me. It's time freedom and it's impact. And so currently you live in London, England. Yes. Yep. Why London? My wife got a, a visa through her job. It was kind of the opportunity we had always talked about where this is why I got into real estate. It's so that I could have that vehicle to create assets that produce income for myself and I could have that kind of freedom to make those choices. Well, thank goodness she didn't get a visa to Afghanistan. 
Not that I'm not bagging on London, okay? Don't don't take it that way. But I just, I look at that. And so now you've got this wholesale business where you're calling people you don't know, you're creating rapport, uh, you're convincing them to do a transaction on little or no cash from you, basically track record. But you, when you started, you didn't even have that, right? No. I mean, you were, hi, I'm Ryan. I'm a mechanical engineer. I'm doing this nights and weekends because I want to call my own shots. Sell me your property. That doesn't really sound like a pitch that's going to hook many people, right? I think what the pitch you just did was 10 times better. So I'm sweating, I'm yeah. trembling, yeah. right? I mean, I'm, I have an engineer background. So like even to be able to think about saying those words, right? let alone do the action, right? right is It's even a step removed from that. So, I mean, when you got started, yeah, th- there was no system, right. right? So walk me through, you caught your first deal, right? Yep. You, somehow your pitch worked, you made it make sense. It told them what they wanted to know. Now you got the deal. Yep. What did you realize at that point? That's possible. It's an aha moment, but it also, I mean, it took me eight months to get my first deal. So how many phone calls did you make? Thousands. I think just looking at the early days when I was just getting started, it took me about 450 no's to get a deal. And if one out of every 10 people are answering the phone, then yeah, that's about 4,500. Why in the world would you make 4,000 phone calls? Yeah, you got to have a strong enough why or you got to have pain. So for me, I was running from pain, honestly. I was in a corporate job and they would ask me to fly to South Korea or Taiwan with no notice. And they controlled everything over holidays and everything. And I, I was working my tail off. I was up for promotion and then I got passed over for the promotion. And I was like, this can't be all there is. How do I take control? And so pain was the thing that pushed me into that action. So it's funny you say that it, it makes me smile because I remember having the conversation. I think I was 22 or 23 years old. I had a baby. Or, uh, I didn't have a baby, but my wife and I at the time and I had a baby and we had a one bedroom, one bath condo. And I was working full time during the day yep. running a project and I was building mantles for friends and family on the side. And I asked my dad, I said, man, is this all there is? Yeah. I worked my tail off to make enough money to pay the rent, to have some food tonight to get up, hopefully get enough rest, to get up and do it again. And he looked at me and he says, no, but it is for the next 20 years, right? And I realized in that pain, I had to do something different because I wasn't gonna do this for 20 years. Yeah. And for me, a lot of that was a catalyst that said, hey, you know what, I've gotta make some changes and, and I've gotta do things different. And my father was successful and he retired at 50 with cash flow. He's lived life on his terms since then, but at that time, he was a very hands-on guy and he was very controllable in everything that he was doing. And I looked at that and I said, man, I got to scale. I've got to be able to go bigger than this and do better than this. And that same feeling of this can't be, this can't be. I didn't sign up for this. This is not (laughs) my life. I've got to be able to find a way. And so now you got that first deal. And at this point you've got, from my understanding, you have zero entrepreneurial training. Correct. Yep. You've, you've gone the corporate route. You went to college. You did all that. And somebody else owns you. Yep. And now you've got the realization that this is only going to take another 900 calls to get two more of these. Yep. <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah. And, and so, so what's, what's, your, what's going through your mind? What are your next steps? I think it's really like, so one, one step back from that, I think where most people go wrong here is they're like, I want to try this and see how it goes. Right. Right. You're never going to make any traction, right? You, The first sign of adversity or anything, you're going to give up or say it's too hard, or you're going to start making excuses. Like, 
right? Yeah. And so for me, it was, I'm going to do this until it works. Yeah. I don't care if it takes 10 years. I yeah. don't care if it takes a day, right? Yeah. And it's the people that go all in, yeah, right? That really wind up actually having the success because you're, you're right. There's so many people that try something. They attempt to make this work or they're looking at a potential plan B, right? How many times have we heard that? But that attitude, okay, so now you got the deal. Obviously, history says you found somebody to buy that deal. Uh, you made a couple bucks and you had that realization. How much longer was it of grinding it out before you were able to realize that I can walk away from corporate America? About three and a half years. So three I was, and a half years. Yeah, so I was double dipping the whole time in that so, three and a half year so, time frame. So this overnight success took a little bit. Yeah, yeah. So you're still working full time. Yep. Your nights and weekends are consumed yep. by dialing and getting people's answering machine. Yep. People still have answering machines? No, we don't. It's leave. voicemail, right? We don't, leave, we don't leave voicemails. It's a waste of time, Yeah. actually. Yeah, we and, split tested it. And you said you've been in business for, for five years. Yep. Okay. So you've gone from Ryan, yep. three and a half years solo gig, yep. to the last year and a half. You've now got 15 people on your team. What made you think that, okay, yeah, I get it. You have the realization that this works for me. What point are you now betting the farm again on scaling? What yeah. made you do it? Yeah, so I think everybody gets to this point, if you're an entrepreneur, where you either got to decide if you're Michael Jordan or you want to be Phil Jackson, right? And so you can be a highly paid professional, and you can make a lot of really good money doing that. That wasn't me. I, I actually wanted to create a business that was an asset, not really for the, looking back now, it's kind of interesting thinking about that, but not really for the money, more for the feeling of accomplishment and impact that I can have. Mm -hmm. And so, but you have to run a successful business to be able to do that and to have the people that want to join into that vision. Right. So I think for me, I was, I fit more into the Phil Jackson type of realm, which is way harder. It's way harder. Right. Yeah. And Every time you think it's, oh, I've reached that next hill, right? then you go back into the valley of death. Yeah. Well, and you've coached and you've trained and you've invested in your team members, right? The yep. players. And then they go based on their own ego decisions, yep. training, background. They want this weekend off. They don't want it as bad as you want it. All those different things. And in most cases, I know because you're an entrepreneur, you were paying them instead of paying yourself. Absolutely. And then they just totally didn't perform. Yep. I'm just guessing. <laughs> You'd just, be guessing correct. Just, I might have done it once. Maybe. Uh, once per business. And you still have to believe that, yep. right? I mean, you've had bad teammates. Mm -hmm. You've had horrible teammates. Yep. You've had mediocre. So you've got 15 people now. Yep. How many in a year and a half have you hired and fired or hired and had quit or hired and not showed up? Yeah. To answer your question, I've got one person that was there that's been there for about three years, everybody else is within a year mm -hmm. to give yeah. you any indication. Yeah. So, so yeah. the turnover, I mean, you're, you're, I mean, you're sifting through people and it sounds terrible, but you're looking for the right person that gets it and wants it. Yeah. Right. That gets your process and wants what you're offering as far as a conclusion. I've had great people move on because their vision and mine were different. I've had terrible people that I've encouraged to go succeed elsewhere. We've been through good, bad, and ugly, but at the end of the day, we have had that same thing because you're looking for those superstars like the Phil Jackson 
analogy where you're looking for the Scottie Pippen and the Michael Jordan and yep. I don't follow basketball. So the other guys were on the team, yep. right? But you're looking for that group. And yet we still have the insanity to think that these are the people that we're investing in yep. and to watch them not take it literally or not take it for what it is, not see the value in what you're offering, all those different things. How did you keep your goals in sight? How did you keep your company still going this way as you got people shooting off every which way and all that? Yeah, I mean, that will really test your resolve. I'll say the decision, though, is, is was kind of already made for me. It's like, what's the alternative? That I just go back to being well, the, the, the rainmaker every single day, right? For me. Yeah, I mean, you seem to be pretty good at it. Every 450 <laughs> phone calls, you got a deal, right? I mean, yeah. you hear all the time about people that get into wholesaling and they make what, 300 calls right there. And it takes a bit of insanity to be an entrepreneur, but it takes a lot more drive. It takes a lot more vision and it takes a lot more self-belief. Yeah. How did all that come together for you that, I mean, was it really that first deal that you said, dang, I can make a business out of this and I can set up a machine and I can retire off of the cash flow off this machine? Is that Was it at that moment or was there somewhere later in your entrepreneurial journey over the last five years that really became crystal clear? No, I think that's not a black and white thing. It's, it's not a linear thing either. So as you're going through these successes and then failures, so after I got that first deal, I went on like another drought before I got the next deal. Right. And so when you go through those, but you stick with it, what you're saying to yourself is I'm committed to this. Yeah. And that those small wins of, I need to make this many calls a day. I need to hire this person. I need to do this and that, you're stacking confidence and building confidence in yourself that you are the person that you are saying that you are. And that makes your why even stronger. And that makes your energy even stronger. And, and that buildup of confidence actually catapults you into, I'm going to push through this no matter how many failures I have. And that puts you right on the line of being committed to your business or committed to a mental facility. I mean, exactly. It, it yeah. really is, right? Because you're driving to the edge and it's always darkest right before the dawn, something about when the sun comes up, but you're always going through that chapter. Yep. And when you really saw that this could be a viable business, did you see it as being what it is today? No. I mean, I'd be lying if I said that. And I think that has come later with, again, building up that confidence, but now also being a part of some pretty high-level masterminds and mentors and everything where that's where you really see what is possible. And that expands your mind of, holy crap, I, I, I actually kind of suck compared right. to, right? And right. so then you get humbled and right. then you go through these iterations of right. stacking small wins again. But you're, and now when you sit here today, yep. looking at what you've built, you're totally satisfied with that, right? No. Never, never. I mean, never. Or, not or else I, I wouldn't that, be sitting here. Not that I knew that answer, but I know that feeling, right? Because my dad used to love the drag races. Yeah. And you'd see these guys, they'd go flying down in a quarter mile. They judge their whole mechanic ability, their driving ability in a quarter mile. And they get there. And it doesn't matter how fast they just elapse their last best time. It's all about bring it back in, tear it back down. Yep. Do this, do that, change this, change that to make it faster. And half the time when they did that, it didn't work. And it seems to me that's part of being the entrepreneurs that, hey, I just built something that does zero to 60 in five seconds. I know we can do it four and a half. And your next run is totally. six and a quarter, yep. right? You're just like, what the? 
but it's that learning experience because there's a ton of books, right? There's, and I know you're an avid reader, Yep. but there's a ton of books that talk about mindset. They talk about how to scale, how to do this, but there's nothing that really says, hey, this is going to suck for a while and this is going to be harder than you think and it's going to take longer than you think. And when you finally get there, you're going to want to redo the whole thing. There's nothing really that describes what you yeah. are as an entrepreneur and that, but how have you found people to relate to and let's call them what they are, comrades in arms, the guys in the trenches with you. I mean, how have you been able to connect with those people? I got a few thoughts on that. Number one, it's like, it's like dating. I mean, how many repetitions, like truthfully, how many dates can you go on to decide what you want, what the other person wants? Are you compatible? Are you headed in the right direction? Like you got to kiss a lot of frogs to find the right one. Right. And that's the truth. Yeah. Like there's no shortcutting that. Yeah. So you got to go through that. But I think what happens, unfortunately, now in the age of social media is we set our own internal expectation of like, if I put this minimal amount of action, I will get the result because that's what the guy on the Instagram reel said. Right. 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 And so then we self-sabotage ourselves because we tell ourselves, if I do this amount of work, I'm going to get this result because mm -hmm. of that. And we then we don't. And then what does that do to our personal confidence and what does that do to our future action taking? It just kills it. Yeah. And there has to be that self-belief inside all that, yeah. right? There has to be that knowledge that didn't work. That was a failure, but I'm not. Exactly. And yeah. where are you getting that confidence? Because we all entrepreneurs that I know have it and you can spot those. And I, I guess I should say all successful and serial. Yeah. Right. And I need to put the word entrepreneurial on there because otherwise it's, it could sound pretty <laughs> ominous, but all successful and serial entrepreneurs have that thing that continues to let you know that, man, that was an absolute disaster and that's okay. Yeah. What would you define that thing is? I can just speak for me personally. When I think about it in that context, to me, the alternative is giving up and giving up sounds like the worst possible giving up would mean I don't actually want this stuff or I don't want this time freedom and I don't want this impact. So then what do I want and what kind of life do I want on other people's terms? It's almost like giving up is just, it's like the worst possible. It's, really it's way worse than right? failure. Absolutely. It's abandoning. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So that, that, that's honestly worth, worse than death to me. Yeah. And I would agree with you on that. I've never had a job uh, in my adult life. And I don't know that I am employable at this point. There's a lot of people that would agree with that statement. But your, your wife is a W-2 employee. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Okay. And so she's not entrepreneurial minded. Nope. Okay. And what you do terrifies her. No, it Good. doesn't. It she's, doesn't. She's gotten okay with it. Or, Absolutely. I or, mean, it's taken some work. It's taken yeah. some communication. Like it's all, it all comes back to expectation setting. Right. Right. Because when you guys got together, you were just this normal mechanical engineer plugged into the corporate world and you were doing what aligned with what she's doing, right? Yep. And yet all of a sudden there's this thing come out of you. Yep. Like the swamp thing, right? There's just this, you're changing. What's wrong with you? Why don't you, why isn't corporate America good enough anymore? And I'm not saying that your wife wasn't supportive, but of course. she's watching this change before her eyes yep. and trying to identify how that plays into what you guys started out this journey on. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah, I think with her, she saw the pain of 
hey, Ryan, I know you've been in Taiwan for six weeks and next week is Thanksgiving. Project's not done yet. You got to stay there. <laughs> yeah. So nobody does Thanksgiving like the Taiwanese though. That's what I've heard, right? <laughs> hey guys, real quick. If you're enjoying this show, I want to ask you to please give us a five-star rating and review on whatever platform you're listening to right now. Leaving us a rating and review takes just a few seconds, and it's a great way to show your support for our show. Your support helps us reach more listeners and create better content. Thank you very much. We really appreciate it. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, sometimes they have cat uh, yeah. instead of yeah. turkey. Yeah. No, yeah. I'm just kidding. Yeah. But uh, I think what's really hard for couples where, so where one person is going through kind of this um, personal transformation and maybe the other person is not, is are they going to embrace that as a unit or is that gonna create more divide? And so it helped my situation for sure that my wife was seeing that pain and experiencing it at the time where it's like, yeah, Ryan, you gotta work Saturdays and Sundays to cold call and we're not gonna go do, spend time together because we need to like get, I need to get out of this thing for my sanity and my future and like any supportive spouse or anybody that you should be with long-term will support you in that if they right. see you going through that. And if they don't, the sad truth is they're not the right person for you. So then you're back to dating. Yeah, there you go. So we're covering entrepreneurial tips and marriage tips. Let's, <laughs> but you know, and that's the reality, right? You go through, I mean, I've always been entrepreneurial, yep. right? My family was, right? My brothers never actually gotten a W-2, right? right? And so my parents both worked for themselves my whole life, but there is that ability to create quite a bit of additional complexity, we'll call it complexity, in the relationship because you're wired different. And I'm saying this because we're the ones that are wired different, right? Yep. We're not the ones that are willing to take status quo. There's good ways to do it and there's bad ways. And it sounds like you and your wife have really come up with a healthy balance of being able to understand each other and support each other while not fully understanding each other. Yeah. Right. I mean, you probably sit there. This is going to get a little sensitive. Let's do it. You probably sit there and go, "Why in the world would you want to keep working for somebody else?" Yeah. And she's sitting there going, "Because I'm the only one that's going to be, be able to pay the rent consistently." <laughs> right. Yes. When the reality is, you're sitting there going, "But they could cut you at any time, and you could be unemployed, and your visa expires, and then we're homeless." And but I have the resources to do this, and and yeah. there's that whole different thing. And, it's awesome to see that you and your wife have embraced that differences make us stronger rather than what I've seen in some relationships, in some instances, that differences actually dismantle the relationship yeah. because they're not willing to believe in their partner, yeah. right? And again, that's back to being committed or committed, right? It's really close. And there's a lot of times you've just got to absolutely believe in your partner, not in the results, right? right? And I'm sure your wife... Uh, That's has, all it is. Has yeah. seen that. Yeah. And she's like, Congratulations, babe. Another 450 calls and you'll have another deal. So we can put that on the calendar for next March. Right. Right. And just being honest, but knowing that she knows that you're not going to give up. Yep. There's no way over it, around it. You've got to go through it. And having that be such a succinct yeah. uh, building block. I'll tell you the best thing we ever did was we sat down annually to go over each other's goals. And we have like five different categories or six categories. We've got physical goals, we've got recreational goals, business goals, career goals, financial goals, um, spiritual goals. And we sit down and we dedicate like two hours to go through each one and why they're important to each other. And then we make a plan and we make a vision for that year for that. And the first couple times we tried that, there was some friction. Kind of like my family playing Monopoly. 
there you go. A little friction. <laughs> yeah. But yeah. then you grow in that together and you, it's really what it is. It's a safe space for communication and very transparent communication about like, how many kids do you want? Where do you want to live? What do you want that to look like? And with all the cards out on the table, you can actually then, like, you can work off of that. Right. There's no hidden things. Anymore. And you've got to get to a place where her goals for her don't necessarily mean that you're succeeding or failing. No. They're her goals. Yeah. And your goals for you doesn't necessarily mean that she's succeeding or failing. Right. Right. I mean, obviously, if, you're, if your goal is to have multiple wives, that might concern her. <laughs> but, you know, when it's talking about you and your business and growing, it's about her seeing and understanding and hearing that and being able to support that. Yeah. Right. Just saying, hey, I, I hear you. I'm going to be your accountability partner on that. But then you've got the, your goals for your relationship, your goals for your business. And there's so much that goes into all of that. Yep. And seeing that you guys got off on the right foot by, by putting that there probably just helped your journey be that much quicker because you weren't dealing with, it doesn't sound like you're dealing with a lot of pushback. Yeah. So, I mean, it hasn't been easy, but I think we're, we're consistently working at that. But just to bring it full circle back to the mindset thing, it's when she sees it's kind of, it's the same thing we were talking about earlier when if I do what I tell myself, like if I say I'm going to go to the gym tomorrow and I don't do that, all of a sudden, then that lowers my confidence in myself that I actually want what I say I want, right? And it's no different with your spouse. Right. So when we're sitting down and we're defining this future and what's important to you, what's important to me, and then we make a plan to get there. And if I don't do that stuff, then she's going to lose confidence. And wait a minute, we sat down and we said... This, right. And now you're doing this. Right. right. So if there's a deviation to that, we got to sit down again and we got to have that uncomfortable conversation right here and now. Right. And most people will try to put off that confrontation and not have that conversation. Right. right. Just like most things in life. Right. So. And so, I mean, and, and that's probably not much different than when you're bringing in a new person. Absolutely. Yeah. And you're telling them you got to make 500 phone calls. Yep. To get 40 people. I remember I was talking with a guy that I know fairly well out of the Houston area, and he was he was a CFO for Shell. And so he's all about math, right? And he'd figured out the same wholesaling and flipping thing, right? And so then he just takes and he just writes it out on a piece of paper, and he says, well, if I've got to do this many of this, and I want this, mm -hmm. I just divide by this, and I know that I've got to... I mean, he was mailing out, I think, 8,000 letters a week, right? <laughs> Yeah. Because he knew it was just math. It's just a numbers game. Right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. It wasn't emotional for him. Totally. Right? Yep. I already told you he was a CFO, so there was no emotion. There you go. You've done it. You've proved out the model. They've watched you do it, whether it's your spouse, whether it's your employees, whether it's your kids. They've watched you do it, and they understand that when you say it's going to be hard work, it's going to be long hours, it's going to be 500 phone calls or whatever it is to get a lead, to get, and then you're going to take 20 leads and you're going to get four deals or whatever your matrix is, but they're seeing you do that. They have the belief that they can do it too. Yeah. So once you've done that, then you've created, you've started to create the culture. Absolutely. Right? And oftentimes we see people that can't do what they say and yet they're creating companies. And then you find that nobody in their company does what they say. And then you find that the results aren't delivered like they said. It's literally a trickle-down effect, and you've watched management be good and management be bad. How have you seen that affect your business? I mean, have there been times when you've been more on it than others, and has have you seen that affect the culture? I think there's a, man, we could spend a lot of time on, on this topic, just hiring, training, and firing. 
I've had a lot of instances where I've been tempted because I've hired a someone with a really good rap sheet and a good resume and they say, well, you know what, I'm I just I'm a people person. And so just get me in front of sellers or like I'm I'm better than that. I, I can skip all that stuff. Mm-hmm. And then when they, they, they get in front of people, they fall flat on their face, honestly. And that was a failure on my part because then I'm not setting the right ex- expectations up front. So I've learned through a lot of those episodes and a lot of paying people and then having them produce nothing for the company and then I'm out money and time, right? right. And multiple right. iterations of that. Right. You learn like there is no shortcut to the boring work. Right. You have to do the boring work. Right. But it doesn't mean that as the leader of the company, you're still in the trench. Right. I am from time to time though. Well, yes. And I think it's important because they begin to question you, right? 100%. As they probably should. I mean, every year I take my tax return and I divide that tax return, my my gross income, I divide it by 52 weeks a year by 40 hours a week. Yeah. I haven't worked 40 hours a week since I was 16. I do that so that I know what my time is worth. There you go. And then I use that figure and I say, okay, what can we do? I was recently talking with Isaac, my guy that does all our social media, and I was going through that same thing. He's like, no, I can get to that. And I go, I, I, I get that, but let's look at what I'm paying you. Let's look at what other things that are on your plate that are more important. I, I get it. You can do it, but don't always get back in the trench. Let's find some people that can do that. That is at the top of their skill level, yep. but we can pay accordingly yep. and then get you to the next level where I'm, I'm way out here. We're all moving up because we're recognizing those talents and we're maximizing those talents. But you, yeah, you do. In order to be able to put out this video, Isaac edited our, uh, several of them. Right. And then to be able to get the VAs to do what we wanted, he had to understand that. Now, that's one thing that since you guys have been able to see our videos, I didn't do any of that. Right. right? I had to skip that part. I wasn't allowed to do that part. But there's so much of that where you're building the culture, but you, there's nobody that tells you that. No. There's no book that says, hey, put their nose to the grindstone. The quicker that they try to skip the boring work, the better off you are. Man, yeah. you, this is my last hope, Obi-Wan. You're believing in this guy or this gal. They've got the perfect resume. And it just... Yeah. And so you that is, the, that is a great point. That is a challenge as an entrepreneur and as a visionary. It's like you're a pilot, right? Yeah. So you've seen the Top Gun sequel. Oh, yeah. Right? Yeah. They're, all the pilots are saying this mission is impossible. I right. can't get through there. And then he's in the plane and he's showing them that it's possible. Right. right? And right. it's the one... 60 seconds in the whole movie where he's actually doing the thing in the trenches and the rest of the time he's the visionary. But that is every once in a while, you got to step in to show what is possible to the team. And then they all rally behind that. Yeah. But like we said earlier in this podcast, your company today, you couldn't have envisioned when you started. No. And the company that will be here in in October of 24, November of 24, won't resemble this one. Correct. And yeah. it's about scaling and it's about growing, but it has to come through the pain and the growth that you've had to go through. I would imagine that the role that you're playing now will soon be played by someone else in the next 12 to 24 months. Yeah. The complete role. Yep. And you'll be up to the next level. In order to get there, you have to have done that. Absolutely. Right? I can tell you multiple times I've tried to go too fast through that mm-hmm. and it's failed miserably. And then I don't start from there again, I actually start further back yeah. because now I've lost all this time. Right. And momentum and faith. And culture. And culture. 100%. And, yeah. yeah. And there's so many times when what we do as, as business owners, entrepreneurs, that we don't think it affects right. our team, but it really does. 
And I've seen things that I've gone through that I thought, man, that was a total failure. Everybody's going to think I'm just an absolute loser. And you go back in and your team's like, wow. And I'm like, I know, probably shouldn't have done. Again, back to what you were saying with you've got to execute and you've got to, just like with your wife and with your other employees, you keep doing it. It's not that the iteration has to be perfect. Yep. It's that you keep getting up and you keep going up against the barrier. And I've seen that where some of the things that I thought were some of the biggest failures in my business have been some of the biggest catalysts and, and turning points that have made it so that the business actually goes somewhere. Absolutely. Do you think you would have been the same person had you not gone through? Oh, God, no. What, right. I mean, I, for those of you that know my story, I mean, there's not only business pain, there was physical pain and knee surgeries, back surgeries, neck surgeries, all that kind of stuff. And to get through all that, it reminds me of the, you see the picture of somebody making a sword and they're just beating the crap out of it, right? Yeah. Sticking it back in the fire. I mean, so often that feels like what it is and you're the piece of steel, but it's what forges the, the resilience that says, hey, yeah, and, and you often see people that succeed in one business, they sell the business. They last about six months on the golf course and at the country club, and then they're back building another business, yep, right? Exactly. Because it's that excitement. It's that getting stuck in the fire and getting hit with a hammer. I don't know. There's something about us. But as entrepreneurs, we just really have figured out that it's the temper. It's the backbone. Like you said, doing what you say day in and day out and day in to the point that your wife believes you with no results, right? Yep. Eight months of no results. She still believes in you because you're still... She doesn't come down there and find you on Instagram. She's, she comes there and you're still making those calls and you're still doing it. When that first deal hits, she goes, okay, tell me if you can't do this. You can walk into a room and you can see the entrepreneurs in the room. Yeah, you can. They've got that something that you know that they're not going to back down. Yeah, there's a charisma. Mm -hmm. There's an undying posture, if you will. Like you can feel it. Yeah. When somebody, like in our company, we call it scar tissue. We want to hire people that have scar tissue because yeah. it means they're battle tested. Yeah. And again, it's, they've got that look in their eye that you know that they're either committed or ready to be committed, right? Exactly. They've just, it's that half crazed look that of course I can do that. Yeah. And it's being able to see that and work through that. Well, Ryan, what is it that you see now that you're standing here five years into your entrepreneurial career? Yeah. And you're going to make it to dinner at Thanksgiving. You're not going to be stuck in <laughs> Taiwan, right? Yeah. What is it that you see that this five years has prepared you to do in the next five years? It's gotten me to think in decades instead of days. Mm. Yeah. Like truly, like I'm just getting started. Yeah. But if you had told me five years ago, this is what's going to happen. You'll be there. As you're going through this, I think your ability to measure success, if you can zoom out mm -hmm. and, and really just get a macro view of everything it makes yeah. going through the shit right. each and every day yeah. that much easier because yeah. you're just this is a longer term thing the name of the game is how much pain can you endure for the right. game right? right and most people right. need immediate gratification right. they just can't do that yeah so i don't know if it's elon that gets credit for it or warren buffett or bill gates or one of those really smart guys right with lots of money that you overestimate what you can do in a year and you underestimate what you can do in a decade so looking back on it, if you're five year ago self and you're making, you're deciding to pick up that first phone and you're looking at where you're at five years, you're behind schedule. Yeah. But when you look at where you thought you were going to be, you'll be where you thought you were going to be in another year or two. Is yeah. That, is that what I'm hearing you say? Absolutely. Well, yeah. I think as humans too, like we inevitably think that we're better than we actually are. Ah. So well, there's this concept. I've had other people tell me that too. 
<laughs> there's a concept there's a concept that I really resonate with and it's paying down ignorance debt. Yeah. Right? And so like yeah. my first five years, you know, the first two you're kind of you're an uninformed optimist and you're just everything is shiny <laughs> and bright and you're like, right. Yeah, this is great. And then you get informed pessimism because you get hit in the face. Right. right. And then through that process, you're able to like really understand the name of the game in entrepreneurship is how fast can I pay down the ignorance debt? Right. And so really the last few years, I'm like, I want to pay down as much ignorance debt now mm -hmm. as possible. And mm -hmm. I know that means I'm probably going to get punched in more places than just the face. Right. But that is the name of the game. It's like, how many lessons can I front load? Right. Because that's going to catapult me into better success in the future instead yeah. of like, let me learn one lesson one year and one lesson the next and the next. It's all about front loading, paying off that ignorance debt. And that's a that's an interesting way of looking at it, but there is no easy road to success. You've no. got to go through these things and these challenges to get there. There's no other way to do it. Yep. I think that's what we're going to call this paying off ignorance debt. There you go. Uh, that, that's a great way to conclude this. Well, Ryan, thank you for being on the Real Estate Rundown. And one last question is, where can people find you in the world today? Yeah, absolutely. At Weimer Investments on Instagram is the best way to reach out to me. I've also got a YouTube page, Weimer Investments, and then you can also schedule a call with me at WeimerInvestments.com. We do some coaching, or if you just need help on anything, we've got a lot of projects in the cooker, so yeah. happy to connect and help you. And if you're ready to make those first 4,500 calls, there you go. This sounds like the gig for you. Well, Ryan, once again, thanks for being on the Real Estate Rundown. And guys, if you want, be sure to like and, and subscribe to get more content like this. And we're going to be actually be changing up our format, like I said. So we're going to be having more of these live interviews with people like Ryan who have been successful at what they're doing. And we're going to talk a little bit about their business, but we're going to talk about what really made them who they are and how they built their business. Thanks for tuning in to the Real Estate Rundown. Thanks for listening. I hope you found tons of value in this show. It would help us a lot if you could rate and leave us a five-star review as we continue our mission to help others just like you in their real estate journey. Thank you, and we'll catch you on the next episode of Robnet's Real Estate Rundown.